I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello and welcome to another episode of All Things Policy. My name is Sudisha and I'm a junior research scholar at the Takshashila Institution. And with Sridhar and Anu, I work on a project titled the 20 Million Jobs Project, wherein we are creating a policy landscape through which India can produce 20 million jobs per year. Today, I have my friend Rahul, who I've also invited on a podcast before, which was on ease of doing business in Kolkata. Today, he is joining me to talk about land laws in West Bengal that have maybe historically undermined businesses from growing in in West Bengal as a whole. In our ease of business discussion, we often talk about how construction permits are a problem when it comes to business expansion. Businesses and establishments are not able to find enough land to expand their offices, which is a big problem, which is why they continue to remain small. So we have Rahul with us who will talk about how this problem is attached to the legal provisions in West Bengal. And I guess we'll just get started on that. So Rahul, you know, we've discussed this before. So I wanted you to trace the history of these land laws and, you know, what are the problems that have been associated with them? Yeah. Hi, Sudesh. Nice to be on the podcast again. So considering the state of West Bengal and considering the history of the state and how intertwined it was with the British era and how Calcutta was the capital of the British East India Company. West Bengal was the you know primary focus for the British when it came to governing the subcontinent. And a lot of infrastructure was developed by the British in Calcutta, you know, it being their capital. Land laws in West Bengal typically do have a very interesting history. You know, you can trace that history all the way back to the Mughals. And, you know, the evolution of land laws, you know, the present land laws that we see in West Bengal, you can trace their evolution to, you know, those systems back in the 17th and the 18th century. So, you know, if we do get into the history of land laws, basically, after the end of the Mughal era, when, you know, the East India Company came to India in 1765, they took over the Diwani of Bengal, Bihar and Orissa from Shalam. The Mughals were basically the first ones to introduce this concept of uh, Moza, which is an area of land. And that concept has still, uh, you know, that terminology is still pervasive in, uh, you know, in present day West Bengal land laws. So what the British basically did was they took over, you know, these three present day states of Bengal, Bihar and Orissa from the Delhi Sultanate. And they, you know, basically employed a bunch of, you know, collectors, so to speak, to extract as much revenue from the land as possible. Those collectors have been historically famous as zamindars, And, you know, a lot of exploitative practices were employed by the zamindars to 
you know extract as much revenue from the land as possible by you know by employing farmers and you know having a bit of the sales of the farmers taken away by these amindars a lot of such practices have been captured by you know anand by bankim chandra chattopadhyay in the uh, novel anandamat post this has happened was the, the ror was created which is the record of rights in west bengal what this record of rights essentially did was it created something called the rayat and the rayat was basically an individual whose land rights were then protected by the imperial british government the west bengal tenancy act was also enacted and basically what it failed to do was abolish the whole intermediary system which was in place so this is basically the pre independence era wherein the land was basically a platform through which the british government and the east india company what you want to call it tried to extract as much revenue and as much taxes from the land as possible at the cost of the peasant or the serfs as we know them in 1942 just before india gained independence a british commission was set up and what they basically did was they strongly recommended uh, you know abolition of the zamindari system which was done post independence through the west bengal estates acquisition act of 1953 what this basically did was it abolished the entire concept of the zamindari system and all the land which was with the zamindar was now vested with the state post independence a lot of laws have been enacted in order to make you know land acquisition fairly more in tune with the needs of the indian people and the government has you know tried to shed the colonial hangover but it hasn't really worked you know while the zamindari system has been abolished in its place the west bengal land reforms act was put in which essentially put a ceiling on the amount of land which you could hold and that is another problematic area which we will definitely you know take a look at uh, somewhere down the road basically so to speak if we take a holistic look at the landscape of you know west bengal laws or land laws you know west bengal is basically governed by bunch of different laws which is the urban land ceiling act the west bengal land act of 1948 the west bengal inland fisheries act of 1984 the east kolkata conservation and management act which was brought in 2006 in order to preserve the wetlands east of kolkata the west bengal tika tenancy act and the west bengal town and country planning act of 1979 so this is basically a brief overview of the land laws in west bengal at this point in time again uh, you know it is a fairly broken system i could say you know very very staggered very very complicated and uh, you know in drastic need of reform right that's a great historical overview something that i did not expect but i learned a lot from so i know that you are the businessman something that we have discussed previously on another podcast and now you've given this historical overview i think my next question is how has these laws continued to undermine business growth if you can share like a personal experience or an anecdote that you might know or have heard about on how this continues to affect or impede business growth in west bengal as a whole right so basically if we take a look at how these laws translate into business practices and how they affect businesses 
the very first thing that uh, you know we take a look at uh, and that we should be looking at is how much land as an individual i'm suppose i could own if i go to any other state in india there is no ceiling uh, you know i am free to own as much land as i want to but that is not the case in west bengal so the west bengal estate acquisition act of 1953 basically imposed individual ceilings on lands for different classes of owners right so you know you have agricultural land you have non agricultural land you have homestead land on which you can build homes you can have lands for fisheries orchards livestock breeding poultry dairies then you could possibly have lands for mills factories tea gardens etc and then you know you have lands which are supposed to be utilized by the government for public purposes and then you have the forest areas right and uh, what basically this act did was it put an upper limit on an individual or you could say a family on owning the a uh, certain amount of land so if we take a look at the ceiling limit as per the original wblr act of 1955 if you are an individual you could hold no longer than 6.18 acres of irrigated land and 8.65 acres of non irrigated land and the upper limit for industries and for entrepreneurs till 2012 was 24 acres which has now been expanded to 54 acres right so this is the first problematic area for me wherein let's say i want to uh, you know have a project wherein i want to create a township for you know 10 20000 people to live in as an uh, you know business entity i cannot own more than 54 acres of land and if my project is let's say on 300 or 400 acres of land i would essentially have to create 10 to 12 different holding companies wherein the land would be held by that company as per the ceiling determined by the act now what this essentially does is you know it increases compliances burdens on us it increases the cost of doing business because i now have to run 10 companies instead of one company so that is the very first problem that you know i put in that uh, that we have been facing over here apart from this uh, another area that is often not talked about is land classification in west bengal so you know land can be agricultural non agricultural it can be you know for cre- for building homes it can be for building industries it could be for building office complexes and what not right you know in most of the states uh, land classification is fairly simple but uh, because of the colonial nature of laws in, in west bengal land classification is very myriad and very complex in west bengal for example there is a district in west bengal called nadia which has 111 types of land classification within it you know you could have agricultural land you could have agricultural land with a pond in it you could have a pond separately in it so based on this myriad nature of the land there are such land classifications and with each land type Uh, they own have their sub clauses uh, sub laws surrounding its usage and this leads to a lot of complications also another area that we could be talking about at this point is the record keeping uh, record keeping for land uses and for land types in west bengal is not very robust there are misses within the blro offices and the corporation offices you know historical inaccuracies continue to hamper a lot of development and this is something that needs to be looked at another thing that undermines business growth in india is the conversion of land so let's say i own a piece of agricultural land and i want to utilize it for you know coming up with an industrial park or i want to set up a manufacturing unit within it 
more often than not, it may may not be entirely possible for me to do it uh, because of you know amendments to acts and certain circulars which have been issued by the government. And even if it is possible, what it does is what happens is you know it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of effort, a lot of documentation, and a lot of money which has to be poured into it. Not just official fees, but also unofficial costs which you know one has to incur because of the red tape. And, uh, you know, this leads to a lot of additional friction when it comes to, you know, doing businesses. And because of this, you know, one can see a lot of prime properties and land parcels, not just in Kolkata, but also in West Bengal, continue to lay untouched. And this has hampered a lot of business. It has hampered a lot of job growth within West Bengal. Right. So before I move to the next point, I'll just take a small break. Okay, we're back. Uh, so thanks for answering that, Rahul. It's very interesting to hear the kind of, I'm honestly lacking the words right now, but it's it's sort of like very prickly legal way to navigate through for all establishments, right? I mean, of course, establishments have like a, a goal, which is to earn more money for themselves. But uh, I think the byproduct of that is that they... If they are allowed to expand as much as they want to, they are able to create more jobs. And this is something we talk about in our project also that if you improve the ease of doing business in India, which we know for now that it's very difficult for businesses to to survive or thrive in this country, it will lead to more job creation. So uh, I'm actually uh, shocked to see the number of laws that are there which are impeding business growth and they are... I mean, honestly, they are increasing compliance burden and it's very disheartening to see that these provisions are in place. So on that note, I think I want to get to the last question, which is that what do you think needs to be changed? And one question that I have on your second answer is that what do you think is the motivation behind these laws to exist? You know, obviously, we are seeing that they are creating problems for establishments in West Bengal to expand. But what was the original motivation of such legal compliance? And what do you think is the way forward and how it can be changed? Right. Well, that's a fairly loaded question. So, you know, I'll take a stab at it bit by bit. So if we take a look at the uh, nature of governance in West Bengal post-independence, you know, one can see the Communist Party was there in power for good 34 years. And it is the vision of the Communist Party which has shaped land laws in West Bengal to a large extent. One reason behind, you know, Urban Land Sealing Act, uh, which exists only in West Bengal and Tripura at this point in time, both of which were at one point in time governed by the Communist Party, was a fear of land grab. So the Communist Party was is one party which you know is said to work in the interest of the masses, the downtrodden and for the lowest strata of society. And uh, they were historically not pro-industry, you know, which is why Bengal is largely a, an agrarian economy with some manufacturing base in the food processing industry. Whatever industries did exist have, you know, slowly died away as time has passed because of a number of reasons, one of which is, uh, you know, an ability to not expand because of the obstructions created by the land laws and, you know, acquisition of further land. But coming back to the point, a lot of 
laws and the nature of such laws can be traced not just to the Britishers, but also to, you know, the Communist Party ruling the state, which is why you see a lot of these land laws in place at this point in time. And what this essentially does is it just creates more headaches and more compliance burdens on not just the big companies, you know, which discourages them to, you know, set up large enterprises within the state of West Bengal. What it also does is, you know, West Bengal does have fairly good number of MSMEs uh, within the state which focus on manufacturing of a lot of things. You know, foundry is big in West Bengal. Uh, you know, we have a foundry cluster here. We also historically have a lot of industries which work on textiles uh, part. And, you know, what this does is it also discourages MSMEs from further expanding, which in turn compounds into, you know, not really creating more jobs for within the informal sector as well. So, you know, you're basically at this point in time discouraging not just the large enterprises, but also MSMEs, which are the uh, cornerstone of whatever industrial base existing in West Bengal. And, you know, all in all, it just, you know, dampens the entire mood and the entire industrial spirit within the state of West Bengal. Moving forward, I think one thing that needs to be definitely looked at is the abortion, abolition of the Urban Land Sealing Act. Like that is a must that doing doing away with ULC would simplify development as and as encourage development. It would, you know, really make the state ripe for big enterprises to come in and, you know, really get started. Because for any major enterprise, the first thing that they would want to look at is how easy is it for me to acquire a piece of land? If I have to jump through a large number of hoops and you know have a long lead time before i can get a piece of land wherein i can get my project started uh you know it is of no use to me i'd rather go to a state wherein you know my time is valued i have to jump through less bureaucratic uh, hoops and suffer less bureaucratic red tapes before i can get started so essentially it shortens project times for a lot of these enterprises and they end up saving a lot of capital money and apart from this, uh, what it also does is it signals to the rest of the world that Bengal is ready to, you know, really get into, you know, setting up a larger manufacturing base. Because let's face it, you know, we have all the resources in place, be it in terms of availability of natural resources, connectivity to the Northeast and to Southeast Asia, you know, everything is here in abundance. You have a lot of local talent available, uh, you know, who can take up any number of jobs that, uh, might result from setting up of these large enterprises. It's just that these red tapes are discouraging a lot of industries from coming in. Secondly, another thing that, you know, that is not really talked about, but should be done is, you know, easing the compliance processes around, you know, assessment of land use, uh, mutation and land transfer. These in turn will benefit not just, you know, large enterprises, but also small landowners who are stuck with, you know, land which they are not really being able to monetize in any way because of, you know, a myriad of old, derelict and complicated land loss. Yeah, makes sense. So I think for our project, it just means that while this may not have a direct impact on job creation, it has a compounding impact where, you know, establishments first find it hard to navigate through all the compliance burden and then they just decide not to expand so i think if these laws are done away with uh, and anyway they are very archaic in nature if these laws are done away with then 
perhaps we can see growth of establishments which will just inadvertently lead to job creation so thank you rahul i think probably this is the first time that i have invited someone on the podcast and we've discussed something so granular and uh, thanks a lot for such deep insights on land laws in kolkata and west bengal in general thank you for joining me and thanks to anyone who listened to the podcast if you liked our show don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the ivm network You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at @ivmpodcasts on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle @takshashilainst or our website takshashila.org.in.